is February 16th of 2024. It's a Friday, and we welcome you once again to our Chapter 49 podcast. Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I am, a, a, of course, a someone who does volunteer work for Chapter 49. I've been doing that for uh, since I retired, really, uh, back uh, in 2000 and something, 12, 11, whatever that was. So we are very happy you've chosen to join us. If you like the podcast, uh, spread the word, spread the link, let people know about it. And uh, we want to welcome once again our Chapter 49 President Duncan Giles. And uh, Duncan, uh, I just have to say, Last time we talked about the Super Bowl, and it's now been played, and we want to welcome, uh, not welcome, but congratulate the Kansas City Chiefs. We have a large processing center in Kansas City, so lots of chief fans uh, amongst the IRS and NTEU community. But the sad part of that is that we, you know, there was this big celebration where they think a million people were there from just not the city of Casey, but all the surrounding area. The weather was nice. It was a perfect. It was just everything came together. And, of course, there was a shooting, which unfortunately was not far from the uh, IRS uh, service center campus, which is very close to that downtown area. So it's it's sad that we have to see what we think may even be juveniles involved in settling scores with guns and seeing innocent people uh, suffer from that. So we're happy for Kansas City, but we're sad uh, uh, about what happened uh, at the celebration. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Congrats to the Chiefs. Um, Pat Mahomes is just an amazing freaking quarterback in their defense played lights out. So congrats to the Chiefs. Um, I I am just saddened beyond measure about another mass shooting here in the U.S. that's just needless, especially it's something that was, you know, so heartfelt and happy as a Super Bowl parade, um, you know, celebration, everybody's having a good time. And then you have a tragedy like this and it's just unconscionable. You know, we're getting geared up to have a big event here in Indianapolis over the next couple of days. And you have to be mindful of, you know, hopefully there's not going to be somebody that's going to be doing something like that. And it's just because where it, you know, disputes are now settled with guns at the drop of a hat. And, it is a sad, sad state of affairs. Well, yeah, and it's too bad that the media in Indianapolis, after this Kansas City incident, with all the crowds that are coming to Indianapolis for the NBA All-Star Game, had to start doing stories about the security. And could it happen here? Well, we certainly hope not. But, you know, anytime you have a large group of people together, it, it's you just have, have to hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. I think you've said that more than a few times. Uh, well, let's exactly. get it. We need to get into an issue. Every now and then, Duncan, uh, we do this podcast right when there's a big controversy. And on the Thursday evening before this Friday morning uh, recording session, we received some information, uh, actually a series of pieces of information from the Treasury, from the Commissioner, from the NTEU National President, and it's all about telework. Now, if you remember, a few weeks ago, we had Dan Casper as our guest, one of the top attorneys uh, for, and not the, he doesn't like to be called the top attorney, but one <laughs> of the top attorneys at, uh, at NTEU. And I remember asking him, 
whether this push from uh, the White House and, and so forth uh, to limit telework would impact IRS. And at that time, he didn't think it would happen. Well, something is happening now. So what I would like you to do, Duncan, just summarize what's been happening, try to put it into perspective. We can talk a little more about that. Yeah, this is something that hasn't been happening in a vacuum. Like you said, we talked to Dan about this a few weeks ago because it was coming. It is a push from the White House and the Office of Management and Budget, OMB, to basically uh, reduce telework because there's an awful lot of pressure, um, read that as folks in Congress, who are talking to the White House and to the federal agencies saying, well, we need to get people back in the office. Now, apparently the fact that people are as productive, if not more, per the vast majority of studies that are out there while they're on telework, apparently is immaterial. So what finally happened was the uh, Secretary of the Treasury, Secretary Yellen, issued a uh, communique that went out to all Treasury employees, uh, basically saying, okay, everybody's going to have to be coming in to 50% telework. And when I forwarded that to national office, my basic response was, this just dropped, cue the hysteria. And hysteria there was, because there was people just freaking out all over the country about this. Oh, my God, I'm not coming back in. I'm not doing this. You know, it's almost like watching a, a... auto accident happening in front of you, knowing there's nothing you can do to prevent it, but it's eminently fixable. And how is it fixable? The commissioner and um, National NTU President Doreen Greenwald both came out with messages. The commissioner was a little bit more circumspect, saying that this is going to impact non-bargaining unit folks in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Doreen basically saying, look, we have a contract, we're going to adhere to this contract, and if they want to change it, you know, the telework that you have is going to be the telework that you have tomorrow. If they want to change it, they're going to have to negotiate it. So for the the vast amount of people watching this, your telework is not going to change. If you have a telework agreement, it's still in effect. If you have a manager saying, well, you saw what came out from the Treasury. You're going to have to report 50% of the time now. And you have a telework agreement. Please see your chapter leader in your particular area. If you're in Indiana, uh, contact myself, contact uh, Vice President and Chief Steward Gail Groves, whoever you need to reach out to, one of our stewards, so we can contact the manager and let them know that um, this does not trump uh, the NTU IRS national agreement and it, it's status quo for telework as we know it now. And I think the commissioner was very careful, as you said, in his comments, because obviously he is aware of the fact that there's been a long-standing telework agreement that began as, as uh, flexi place in the mid nineties. And this, situation that we have at IRS where you must be in the office two days of pay period, two days out of a two-week pay period, has been in place since the mid-90s, and it's still in place today. So when the commissioner looked at this and saw this Treasury policy, he obviously knew that the only people he could actually uh, 
used uh, for this new policy are the non-bargaining people because the bargaining unit is governed by this contract. I think the big fear, Duncan, and this is what I want to just, and you may not know the answer to this, and maybe this is going to have to be played out over time. At this time, I do not believe this is a like treasury regulation. It hasn't gone through that process. It's it's a policy. It's a, it's kind of an announcement. It's a it's what the uh, Treasury once does, White House once done, but it's not codified into a law or regulation. If we get that, I mean, the lawyers will get involved. Is it the contract that controls or is it the regulation that controls? I think that's where a lot of people have some trepidation, not what's happening today, but what may happen weeks and months from now. Do do you have any feel for that? Yeah, it's it's going to prove interesting if that's how they want to go that. We don't know if that's the route they're going to go. Uh, one of the things that I've in you know, since I've been in the office this morning, I've had uh, managers and a couple of executives reach out to me. What does this mean for us? And I told them honestly, I said, I can absolutely see um, the commissioner and as directed by the Treasury Secretary, being told, okay, your NBU folks, you know, we want them in the office. Because what's happening with the contract right now, national uh, NBU, non-bargaining unit folks, which includes managers, but some high-level analysts and people of that nature, have what's called flow-through. And basically that means what's flowing through the contract for bargaining unit employees also flows through for non-bargaining. But I can see that they could do a reversal on this because it's only a flow through if it's allowed by the commissioner on down. So I could see them um, sooner rather than later telling folks who are non-bargaining unit that they're going to have to come into the office more. That is strictly a gut feeling by me. I have no knowledge of that. But to increase it to the 50 percent for everyone, um, especially those folks who are on the uh, work where they're only having to come in, as you said, two days of pay period. Uh, regulations, A, take time, and B, so do negotiations. So I don't see anything imminent happening. Could it happen down the line? Anything is possible. The other part that they're going to have a problem with is IRS in particular has made a huge push into hoteling and death sharing. Three to one, and in some cases, they're pushing for five to one. Five people being, you know, assigned to a potential hoteling desk or desk sharing arrangement. Well, if you're bringing people in fifty percent of the time, now it's, now you're starting to go back to that uh, that junior high and high school algebra stuff. Okay, how are you going to divvy this up if you've got this many people coming in and you've got three fifths of a desk over here? How is this going to work? And the answer is, it's not. Um, so there are a whole lot of issues with that if they choose to go that route. Well, as long as you don't bring geometry into it, I'm okay. But, uh, <laughs> algebra was hard enough. Geometry, that was uh, beyond my ability to figure out. Uh, I think that uh, we want to just clarify a few things. Number one, I think if you read the commissioner's statement, it's pretty clear 
that people in the bargaining unit are not going to be impacted. Now, I, I have to go back, Doug, when you were talking about the flow through. I, what I remember most, I was involved in the implementation of the flexi place that went into effect in the mid-90s, which is now telework. We didn't have the technology back in those days, so we didn't call it telework. But you know who some of the first people were to jump on the flexi place wagon? The managers. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, not that they were at home every day, but like once a week, once every couple of weeks, they would take their work home with them and just, and you know, we didn't have the technology to fl- plug in. They they just were able to go home and kind of stay away from the office to, you know, when you're a manager, I can speak for this, you're constantly getting phone calls, messages, so forth. People coming in wanting to talk to you. If you can get that day where you're not deluged with all these um, messages and, and, and so forth, you can actually get some work done. And that's true of some employees too, by the way. But the other part of this, Doug, and I think your, your desk sharing and, and hoteling is, is a great point. But another part of this, how are you going to deal with all the people at IRS that work in the field? If you want to have 50% in the office, how in the world is a revenue agent going to do that? How is a fuel revenue agent doing the fuel co- compliance? How is that person going to be in the office 50% of the time? Has anybody thought about that? And those are ex- another excellent example. And that's why I say this is not a one-size-fits-all. Um, and so when you're dealing with bargaining unit employees, you're going to have to be very careful about how you go forward with this. If um, they do move forward, there may be enough um, from what they have in the D.C. area and other places where they say, okay, we're close enough to um, to this number that we're going to be okay and we're not going to have to do anything further. I would hope that that would be the case, and I would also hope that um, this march towards back to the office is going to slow down just because it just doesn't really make a whole lot of fiscal sense too. And yeah, you know, we're in the process of, you know, the folks from our FMSS, our facilities folks are looking to, okay, where can we reduce space? Where can we do this? Where can we do that? Well, if you're bringing people back, you're not going to be able to reduce space, which means you're not going to be able to reduce rent, which is going to have that effect too. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that are just counterintuitive for this to be a good solution. So I think the bottom line, uh, I'm having some problems with my microphone. Hang on a second. Uh, One thing that uh, we need to emphasize, Duncan, is the fact that for the people in the bargaining unit, there's no immediate impact. And we're not even sure when or if there will be an impact. Is that the bottom line? Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. So if you're watching this and you're in the bargaining unit, that should be the message that you're taking away from all this. All right, let's There move. is no immediate impact. Thank you for that. And we'll keep you updated on this. Any developments will be on our Facebook page. Go to Facebook, follow or like our Facebook page. Just uh, search under NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. Let's talk about Congress. Congress is on recess. You've talked about the congressional recess. Federal employees get one day off for President's Day. Congress gets two weeks off. Not only is it two weeks off, but the budgets are coming due in March. And on top of that, we have all these other issues like you know foreign aid that's coming in. And, and there are other pressing issues for the Congress. 
but it doesn't stop Congress from taking their recess. That is set in stone, correct? Yeah. Well, it's, it's set in stone to the extent that the leadership of the House and the Senate can um, extend uh, a stay in D.C., as in uh, what happened over in the Senate where Leader Schumer uh, said, okay, we're going to stay here until we get this foreign aid bill passed, which they did before they released them. The House basically said, well, you know what? We've done what we can do. We're going to go on our recess, and we're going to come back on February 28th. That's just freaking awesome since the first bill is, um, you know, the first time that we're going to be looking at agencies starting to shut down. Their funds are going to be running out March 1st. So there's not a whole lot of time between February 28th and March 1st. For the IRS, the impact is going to be, for us, is going to be on March 8th. So that's another week. Um, that simply isn't enough time to pass these budgets, much less anything else. I'm not sure they can do another continuing resolution, especially with the resistance to continuing resolutions. They keep kicking this can down the road instead of actually dealing with the issues. And it's going to be coming to a head sooner or later. So, Duncan, I think this is um, something we've talked about before. You have said that uh, the Congress and the House, they, the, the Senate's done their work, as I understand it. The House has not. House has said, oh, we want all the committees to go through regular order and so forth and bring the budgets up. Almost impossible to do in three days. I think you said three days. So since that cannot be done and they say, oh, we don't want to – uh, we don't want to pile everything up in, 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 in one bill as has been done before. Well, guess what I think is going to happen? They're going to pile everything in one bill at the end, don't you think? And they're going to have to pass it in a bipartisan manner. And, you know, I, I think it's going to have problems in both the Senate and the House. I do believe it can pass the Senate. If it comes up in for a vote in the House, I do believe it would narrowly pass the House. But there would absolutely be political repercussions for uh, certain members of Congress, and they don't want that to happen. So it, will they bring things up for a vote? What are they going to do? Um, there are certain arcane things that they can do uh, in the House without having it brought up for a vote by the Speaker. But that's um, that takes a certain amount of percentage of votes, and it would take uh, bipartisan effort to do so. And unfortunately, too much in this Congress has lacked a bipartisan effort. So once again, we'll use our Facebook page to update you on that. But uh, we hope, this, as we've mentioned before, that the congressional staff will look at some options and maybe there'll be something for the, the elected officials once they come back from their recess. But what a time to take a two-week recess. But it, that's what we're, what's happening. And we'll keep you posted on this podcast and on our Facebook page. We talked last time about the backlog that happens at the end of a calendar year, beginning of the of the next calendar year, when we deal with uh, retirement processing, the Office of Personnel Management, OPM. They're in charge of retirement processing. Uh, the biggest problem, Duncan, with that is this whole issue of doing it on paper. Almost that entire process has been on paper for years. There is at least a pilot project to go to an electronic system. What do we know about that? Yeah, the, as you said, it's it's this is all on paper, and when you tell people this, I don't think they fully grasp that it's like, okay, 
if for IRS, for example, you go on what's called the GRB platform, you fill out your paperwork, then it gets printed off. They take a look at it. A best specialist, uh, those are the folks who deal with retirements, takes a look at it. And then, you know, once everything's ready, they ship the paper copy, not an electronic copy, a paper copy off to OPM. And then OPM has to do this via paper. It's very labor intensive to do it this way. Um, you know, Congress has been pushing as well as other, uh, you know, federal employee groups like NTU has been saying for many, many years, we need to make this process uh, quicker and more electronic to be easier to catch more errors. Uh, OPM has had a pilot out there. They have said uh, they're doing it at smaller, couple smaller agencies. They have said that they're seeing great success with this, and we're hoping that you know sometime in the near future, what the near future is, I couldn't even define at this point, but sometime in the near future, they can roll this out to other agencies to try and uh, reduce the time because I always tell folks that are getting ready to retire, have your emergency fund there because it's going to take you, on average, it can vary wildly, but you it could be six, eight months before you get your full retirement check or longer. So I always want to caution folks that, yeah, you'll get a, you'll get a partial one first, but that's still going to take several months and then you'll get, finally get it figured out, but it can, this process can be quick, but unfortunately most of the time it takes uh, quite a bit of time to do that. And I always want to make sure folks are prepared for that. And if you're fortunate enough to have had an, an annual leave balance when you retire, you'll get a check for that, whatever that might be. And you'll normally get that check a little, well, not a little, a lot more quickly than you'll get your retirement before retirement. Sometimes that can help tide you over, but it's good to have a financial plan. You'll be getting much less than your eventual retirement uh, monthly income when, with that uh, temporary uh, pension that you receive. Let's move on to something else. Uh, we've mentioned the fact that the executive vice president of NTEU, that's the number two person right below the national president, that Anand Mooney resigned several weeks ago. Uh, there are now uh, mechanisms in place uh, under the constitution of NTEU to have a special election to elect a new executive vice president. Uh, the timeline uh, has been uh, established for that. It looks like uh, the, the final ballots will be counted once we have nominations and we actually have a, an election, which will be done through mail, as we understand it, should have the results in April. So we shouldn't have uh, an opening in that position for much longer, Duncan. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, first you have the nominations process for uh, chapter presidents to put in people's names or self-nominate um, if for people they thought would be a good fit. Then you have the process of folks reaching out to their counterparts, basically saying, you know, I'd be interested in your support, that sort of thing. And then you have the final vote tally, as you said, in April. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's a process. But, you know, right now, as we've said before, National NTU is still – moving along smoothly. You've got national president Doreen Greenwald. You've got, you know, people like uh, our director of negotiations, Ken Moffat, director of field operations, Dan Casper. Those folks keep everything together. 
We've got a great back office staff that's keeping everything together. So while it's never ideal not to have a vice president, NTU is functioning and moving forward uh, with no problems without one at this point. I guess the, the main thing is we will probably know in April who the new executive vice president will be. Now, I'm retired. I don't know if retired people are eligible. I'm not a, I am not a candidate. I am not a candidate. I don't want to go to Washington, D.C. I enjoy being retired. Another job is not something that I would want. Now, Duncan, people are always bugging you about running for national office. So you, let's, let's get your take on that. Yeah, I've had a, uh, I've had a few people contact me to ask, um, you know, what would be my feeling if they nominated me? And, I would, and I've told them all that I don't suggest dropping acid during government time. It's never a good thing to do that. <laughs> Uh, that they should stop immediately. Um, I I have no interest, absolutely none, in doing that. Um, what I'm hoping is is that somebody will be nominated that is going to be a good fit with uh, during Greenwald because I absolutely feel that you've got to have somebody that can work well with the national president, be vice president, somebody who's willing to work to to go to D.C. and you know, folks are are national president and national vice president are on the road a lot. I'm telling you, a lot. They're visiting the different chapters um, all over the country uh, with all the different agencies that we represent. And so it's 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 a difficult job. It's a tough job. And um, God bless whoever, you know, ends up in the VP spot. Doreen does a great job. And, you know, to wish her all the luck in finding somebody that uh, will end up being a, a great partner, working partner for her. Well, so I suppose what you're saying is if somebody nominates you, we'll, you will decline the nomination, correct? Uh, in the immortal words of LBJ, if nominated, I will not run. If elected, I will not serve. We'll leave it at that. I want to talk <laughs> about President's Day. President's Day is coming up the Monday after we record this. And I am old enough to remember when this was Washington's birthday. That was the national holiday. Then they thought, well, you know, Lincoln's birthday is fairly close to Washington's birthday. They were both, you know, tremendous presidents in history, probably the two most impactful presidents we've had in our history. So why not we why not just combine them and make it another Monday holiday? That's how we got President's Day which it's always nice to have a day off, particularly during the tax filing season. Right, Duncan? Absolutely. It never hurts. Um, many times we've been open during President's Day and even had overtime during those days. But, you know, a taxpayer's question can usually wait a day. You don't want them to wait too long because we do, you know, our basic function is to serve the taxpayers, is to be here for them, and we should be. But... You know, this should be a holiday given to everyone in the federal government, and IRS workers absolutely deserve it, especially after the start of a filing season. So this gives them a brief respite to basically, you know, get their batteries charged a little bit and go forward to the rest of the uh, rest of the fun filing season. Yes, I've worked many a President's Day, I must tell you, in the past. But I think it's a good idea to give IRS employees that, particularly those that work in telephone service centers, taxpayer assistance centers. Uh, those people can use that day off. It's, it's, it's hard work this time of year. 
Speaking of IRS, I want to talk about Commissioner Danny Werfel, who I, you've complimented him many times, and what I have seen from afar is that he has been a very good commissioner. He testified the other day before the House Ways and Means Committee. He's talking about the funding of IRS, and I want to quote what he had to say. It's a brief quote from his testimony. He said the following, Ultimately, I think it's going to be hard for Congress and others to go back to a time where the IRS was underfunded, where the lines were around the block, and where we aren't answering the phone. But we have to demonstrate the new standard. I'll close the quote there. The commissioner is saying, hey, you've given us money. We've tried to deliver. We think we are delivering. Uh, you, do you really want to go back to the old days? I think that's a good message. Yeah, that's that's a great message. And for folks out there um, who can't really tell from his messages and things, are Commissioner Werfel not only wants to make sure that the work gets done, which every commissioner does, because that's their essential, their bottom line job, but he cares about the people. You know, you've gotten some commissioners over the years who've cared about people and some who have uh, given it lip service, more or less. But I can tell you for a fact that I I know that Commissioner Werfel cares about employees. I've seen him talk to teams that are working on employee engagement issues things of that nature. And he wants to try and make this as a stress-free environment as possible. It's it's very tough to do that because of just the nature of the work that everybody does, whether you're revenue agent, revenue officer on the phone, in TAS, in IT, in the service center. It's just they're all stressful jobs in one way or another. But he wants to make sure that folks are taken care of uh, the best way that they can be. So, um you know, I appreciate him saying, hey, look, we need the money. We need to do this right. Right now we're dipping into funds from the IRA to basically do our basic function, functions because we're not, um, for lack of a better term, funded properly. And so we need that extra funding to make sure that we continue to maintain our hiring goals, retention, new equipment, things of that nature. So, Duncan, time for your final comment. You know, my final comment goes to um, basically, again, going back to the tragedy in Kansas City. And, you know, like I said, we're looking at the all-star NBA all-star game here in Indianapolis this weekend. And I'm just always very concerned when you have a crowd um, and the mindset of people anymore is there, well, you know, I'm just going to do what I can to terrorize, be upset, or it could be something as simple as, possibly what happened in Kansas City, that there was an argument that broke out and the shots started being fired. As a society, we need to work on our mental health to try and not, we're never going to alleviate this type of thing, but to try and reduce it as much as we possibly can to make it safer for everyone, especially those in large crowds. My final comment has to do with Black History Month. Uh, February is Black History Month. Uh, I know IRS does celebrations. NTEU recognizes this. But I have to tell you, the reason I want to mention it today is that yesterday I went to a, a local high school where I I write a local news blog where I live in Fishers, Indiana, a suburb of Indianapolis. And there's a group of, of, of uh, young people in, at Fishers High School 
uh, who call who have a club, the Future Black Leaders, and I've had a chance to do a podcast with them locally, and I've 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 just so impressed with them, and and uh, walked around that uh, celebration last night, learned about all kinds of history. You know, people look at Hamilton County, Indiana, as a wealthy suburb of Indianapolis, but there is history of 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 African-American farmers in the early part of the 18th century when it was a frontier who settled there in, in the far northern part of Hamilton County. So there's tremendous history there. I, I learned about a, an auto racing series in the early part of the 20th century because black drivers and teams couldn't get into regular racing series. But there were several racetracks in Indiana, including the famous Winchester Speedway, where they hosted these African-American race drivers and teams, and there was some very great racing that was done. So I learned all sorts of things just by going to these events. So if you find a black history event wherever you may live, take a moment, learn something. You can Black history is like any other kind of history, but sometimes it has been ignored. It's important to learn all history. I'm a big history buff. Black history is a part of American history. So that is is my message. So Duncan, thank you very much for once again joining us. This has been the Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Lannon, and it was a pleasure for me to, to join Duncan for this podcast. We've done this podcast for years now. How we've, We haven't been canceled yet, so I guess that's the good news. Uh, we do appreciate the fact that you have taken time out of your busy day and evening to, to watch or listen. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind.